listening and thank you so much for joining us today online at myevangel.church. We're so glad that you're here. And as always, we aspire to be a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. Well, I love that I was this many days old, or like today, when I learned some new trick, like that you can turn your bottle cap around or the, you know, the like tab on a soda bottle so it holds your straw, like things like that. What is your favorite trick that you've learned via social media? Something that you didn't know before, like within this year, let's say within this year. I would love to read them after and see what you've learned along the way as we share knowledge with one another. Well, just like we're constantly learning new things, we have to also unlearn things. Have you ever held something um, that's true about you that you thought was true about you, but just isn't? Like the other day I was driving with my kids who are both teenagers, and I mentioned that I'm the fun parent. Uh, crickets. <laughs> Apparently, I have always believed that I'm the fun parent, and really, my husband Lucas is the fun parent in the eyes of my children. There seems to be a disconnect between the one who makes the fun and the one who's actually fun, I guess. But there are so many things in life that we hold as true that just aren't. There are beliefs that we hold that are just not accurate. They're untrue. And if we continue on perpetrating the behaviors that surround this belief of ours, it makes it even harder to accept truth when it's presented to us. And Jesus is going to run into this this morning in John 8 as we dive into our text. In this crowd around Jesus, they are holding on to a truth that's simply not true. And they've dug in their heels and they've continued perpetrating this belief with their behavior. And as such, it makes it even harder for them to accept the truth when it's presented to them by Jesus. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 8, verses 31 to 47. John 8, verses 31 to 47. And if you don't have a Bible, we're here to help you out. Just head on over to my evangel dot church forward slash Bible, myevangel.church forward slash Bible. And there are some links right there to some great Bible apps, as well as a form that if you fill it out, we would love to gift you with a physical like paper Bible. So you don't just have to use a digital one, but I actually use a digital Bible more than I use my paper Bible in my quiet times with God um, because there's so many great reading plans and Bible studies and devotionals on the app that's right there for you at myevangel.church forward slash Bible. So head on over there, check it out. But right now we're going to read through John 8 verses 31 to 47 together. And I have my Bible right here. So let's go through this. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. 
So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you that we have the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit with us who guides us as we lean into your word. And so, God, we know that you have truth that you want to uncover for us. That's going to impact how we live in our relationship with you. And so would you lead us and guide us into all truth this morning? And as always, Holy Spirit, would you speak forth and would you just allow my own words just to fade away? But would you speak? Because we know that when you speak, you bring real change and you bring life and life abundantly. And we don't want to be uh, in bondage to sin. We want to be free in you. And so would you lead and guide us in that this morning in your precious name? Amen. Well, this is a fascinating moment with so many implications for the now because we actually have very similar arguments to what this crowd is arguing. But let's zoom out for a moment to unpack what's happening here because it kind of just seems like this revolving door of, of words. is <laughs> um, very, very simple, but just how Jesus is speaking to them and speaking to the arguments of their motivation and their heart and their thoughts um, can kind of feel like we're not really sure what's happening underneath it all. So remember that Jesus is speaking to the Jews, those who've descended from Abraham, and that would be God's chosen people, right? We know that Israel was chosen and set apart as a nation um, to honor God, to be a blessing to the world around Israel as he blessed them. And they kept this relationship with God through what? through the law. And they believed that freedom came from adhering to the religious uh, rituals, to all of these standards and requirements that were written in the law. Freedom came from participating in the right things and avoiding the wrong things. That was how they kept a relationship with God, through um, their obedience and through sacrifice. But not just that, they believed that a relationship with God was a right of their ancestry. Remember, they're descendants of Abraham. And so the fact that they were Jewish, the fact that 
in their lineage, they could trace it back to Abraham, was good enough to ensure their status as children of God. And now come in Jesus, enter stage left Jesus, and Jesus being Jesus is about to turn this on their head. And all of these things that they've held as true that weren't necessarily true are going to be revealed for the lies that they were. And that's going to be a really hard moment for them to come to accept because God doesn't just love the nation of Israel. He doesn't just love Jewish people, which he does. He loves them fiercely, but he's extended this relationship with him to all of humanity, to the Jew and the Gentile alike. And so Jesus has come to make this way for all of humanity to have a relationship with God and to walk that out. Bruce Milne breaks down this moment by writing this in his commentary. They desire Jesus's gift of life as an additional adornment to the moral and spiritual status they presume to possess already by view of their by virtue, sorry, of their Jewish inheritance. But Christ can never be had as an addition to our natural attainments, a part savior who complements our personal achievements. He is the savior only of the desperate who have nowhere else to turn and no other to which to call. And the crowd is getting upset because they believe that they're already free. They're holding on to this truth. And Jesus is saying, look, I know that you believe that, but the reality is that you're in bondage. The reality is that you're slaves to sin. I know that you think that freedom is found in just doing the right things and avoiding the wrong things. That freedom is found in your ancestry, but that's not true. That's not good enough. And I think if we're honest, we can feel that same angst. A feeling like, you know, if we're just good, if we just do the right things and avoid the wrong things, that God is going to accept us, that he's going to be pleased with us, and that's all that it really requires. I'll never forget a Sunday evening when we had over 20 young adults crammed in our living room in a basement suite in Surrey, and we were walking through the Bible study, The Reasons for God by Timothy Keller. And what this Bible study was, was really Timothy Keller in this circle with all these people who didn't believe in Jesus. And they were just sharing um, their ideas and their objections and their questions about who Jesus is and what Christianity is. And as we were listening to these questions and objections by real normal people, they led to questions in our own group. And I'll never forget this one young adult speaking up and saying, like, it's so hard because I look at my non-Christian friends who are really good people. And I have to, to wrestle with the fact that they're not going to heaven. But I look at some of our church people who know Jesus and they're saved and you know what? They're not really that great. They're kind of jerks. And I have to wrestle with the fact that they are, and it just seems so unfair. And if we're honest, we all feel that tension, don't we? Like, isn't being good good enough? <laughs> Can't we just do the right things and avoid the wrong things? And if we just fit the right mold, why wouldn't God accept that? 
the try hard enough attitude, the, the just do more. Like if we just look out for our fellow man and we recycle and we take care of the earth and we, we lend a hand to strangers and we work on our attitudes, why wouldn't that good enough be good enough? Why wouldn't that lead to a life of freedom? Why does Jesus call that bondage? Because that's what the Jewish culture, the law really was. It was how to honor God and, and honor each other and, and have a good attitude of righteousness in yourself. That's what the law was doing. So why wasn't that good enough? And Jesus is addressing this belief that this entire culture has been holding on to as true that just isn't. And so naturally, these Jews that are in the crowd who think they've been doing the right thing their whole lives, who have been told that their ancestry is enough, they're not happy. They've been avoiding the wrong things. They've been doing the right things. And, and they've really felt like that alone should earn them this title as sons and daughters of God. It should earn them the right to be children who live in this house as heirs to God. They've had all of the behavior modification without any of the relational or positional authority of children. They were secretly servants, but they'd been acting as sons and daughters. They were secretly servants. They just didn't know it. David Brown writes, and if your connection with the family of God be that of bond servants, you have no natural tie to the house. Your tie is essentially uncertain and precarious. See, these Jews, they believed like, you know what, we're here, we're doing all the right things, we're following the law. In its essence, we've been living in the house. But they've been living in the house as bond servants who didn't know they were servants. And we can be the same. We can do all of the good things in the world. We can avoid all of the bad. We can deny ourselves. We can change how we move about day to day, but it still leaves our position in the house uncertain and precarious. Because without Jesus, we have no position or authority in the house as children. We can do all the right things and avoid all the wrong things and think that that's earned us the right to a relationship with God, but we're actually secretly in bondage and we just don't realize it. When we're slaves to sin inwardly, even though we project outwardly the appearance of children. Are you secretly a servant? I don't know about you, but if I'm gonna live in the house I want to live in the house as a child and not a bond servant. I don't want to think that I'm free when I'm really in bondage. I don't want to go through the motions of being a Christian without the freedom of Jesus. So let's unpack that for a moment. You see, there are a lot of things that look the same on the surface, but deep down inside, they're very, very different. So I could modify my behavior out of a sense of duty or avoiding the wrong things and doing the right things. So let's choose one. Let's say honesty. 
Well, we've been told ever since we were children that we shouldn't tell lies. We should always tell the truth. And so we can modify our behavior to meet some sort of outward external standard because it's the right thing to do, say, be. And we do this all the time. There are unspoken uh, standards within community, right? We have standards of expectation in how we each behave within a society. And I can motivate or modify my behavior based on that motivation, based on that external standard, based on this sense of duty, based on this need to do what's right and avoid what's wrong. And it will look like an honest person who might be an honest person. Or I can allow God to heal the deep places within me. I can allow him to go down and do the deep work of removing the fear of man. Like, why would I tell a lie? What's that deep motivation? What is the woundedness within me? And I can ask him to heal that and to remove that sin nature from me. And as he heals me and as I spend time with him and I start to look more and more like him, that natural outflow of that is that I'm going to become a more honest person because God is. He's honest and trustworthy. And so from the external side, if you're just looking at me, there are two honest people standing in front of you. But one is done out of a try harder bondage. It's not free. It's not a pleasure to tell the truth. It's an avoidance of the lie. And the other is an outflow of freedom. It's an outflow of this relationship with Jesus. And it looks the same from the outside, but only one is out of a position as a child of God. And I can change without Jesus, absolutely, but it doesn't change the fact that I will still be in bondage to sin. And I'll still be a, a slave, a bondservant, acting like a child. Or... I can accept the gift of grace. I can accept this forgiveness that Jesus bought on the cross. And I can accept this position as a child of God. And I can live out of that relationship with him. David Brown, I, wrote, I read you the first part of this quote. I'm going to read that and then continue on. And if your connection with the family of God be that of bond servants, ye have no natural tie to the house. Your tie is essentially uncertain and precarious. But if you would have your connection with God's family made real, rightful, permanent, ye must by the Son be manumitted, which is released from slavery, and adopted as sons and daughters of the Lord Almighty. There's only one way to be a child and not a servant, and that's through Jesus. And as this crowd was learning in this moment, and as they were pushing back on, it doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter what your parents believed, or your grandparents believed, or your great-grandparents believed. It doesn't matter if you were descended from Abraham. It doesn't matter how pious you are, or how closely you follow the law. It doesn't even matter what your intentions were. Like I intended that to be good, but it just kind of got out of control and this happened and all of a sudden it ended up with a mess. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. The motivation of your heart, the actions or words that you speak and the actions that you do, 
or who you are and who you've come from. None of that actually matters. The Bible tells us the truth. It says that regardless of what we think is true, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says we've all messed up. All of us, we've all made mistakes. We've all hurt somebody through our words or actions. And what the Bible calls that is sin. And if we're really honest, we've all done that regardless of how hard we try to be good. And the cost of sin is death. It's a here and now death. As the consequences of every decision we make ripple outward like a pebble being thrown into a lake. And the consequence of every decision ends up, <laughs> right, hurting somebody. And it's a here and now death. But it's also an eternal death, a separation with God. Because there's a cost to our sin. There's a cost to our brokenness. There's a cost to our mistakes. There's a bondage that comes from our sin. We're not free, even if we might think we are. And each time we give in to temptation, each time we lash out at someone, each time we turn our back on what's true and right, we feel those chains of bondage tighten. I know I do. Because we're slaves to sin. But Jesus came to break those chains on our behalf. Jesus came to die on a cross on Calvary to appease the justice of God, to pay that cost that our sin requires. And in rising again, he conquered even death so that we could have life. He made a way for us to have life. That in believing in him, in choosing Jesus as our Lord and Savior and in surrendering our lives to him, we would have life. And as Jesus says, life abundant. Both in the here and now. Like when we live now, we get to live in the fullness of life, in the fullness of joy, in the fullness of peace, in the fullness of hope because of Jesus. But also in eternity as we have a relationship with God, as we're close to God for eternity. Sin has consequences in the here and now for eternity. But freedom also has consequences. They're good in the here and now and for eternity. But friends, we can't skip this step. We can't forget the way to life, the only path to adoption. Because if we recognize our sin, but we skip over our need for a savior to a life that tries to honor God with our actions, then we're just ascribing to a new law. We're just still trying to do what's good and avoid what's bad in a new way than the Jews did in that crowd. And we're still secretly servants behaving as if we were children. We need Jesus. It's the only way for us to be adopted as children of God, to become sons and daughters of the Most High through Jesus. And so this morning, I want to ask you, are you walking as a child or as a slave? Have you been adopted through the sacrifice of Jesus? And if you haven't, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how hard you try. And I know that can seem unfair, but the reality is no matter how good we are, no matter how hard we try, we still are going to make mistakes. We're still going to mess up. And there's a cost to that sin. And so it doesn't matter how hard we try, it's still not going to be enough. We can't earn what's given freely. We can't earn grace. 
We can't earn forgiveness. We can't earn that freedom. But the wonderful news is that God Almighty, He desires to have a relationship with you. He desires your adoption as a son and daughter. And He made a way for you to have a relationship with Him. That's why Jesus walked this earth. God Himself came as man to die on a cross that we could have a relationship with God. And if you recognize your own sin and brokenness, and if you accept Jesus's forgiveness, the grace that he extends because he died on that cross, and if you believe that he is who he says he is, that he is God, and you choose to follow him as your Lord and spend your life growing closer and closer in relationship with him and allowing that to, to inform the outflow of your life, to look more and more like him each day, and you're gonna find yourself in freedom. That's when you find yourself adopted as a son and a daughter of God. You know, Ephesians 1 um, speaks a lot of, or Ephesians, the whole book, speaks a lot about being adopted into the family of God. And as we close this morning, I just wanna read Ephesians 1 verses three to eight over us. Because God does want every single person to come to a relationship with him, that he could call us sons and daughters, that we wouldn't be slaves to sin, that we wouldn't think that we were doing the right thing by just trying harder or being good, but deceiving ourselves, acting as children when we're really still servants. We can be in the house in two ways. I wanna be there as a child. How about you? Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 8. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the riches of grace that can't be earned, but are freely given and joyfully given. I thank you that you desire for everyone to walk in a relationship with you through Jesus. And so this morning, if there are those who are exploring faith, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak your words of love, of purpose over them. That you would grant them the courage to turn to you, to admit their brokenness and to choose you as Lord and Savior. And this morning, I pray that you would remind each of us that what you require of us is not to just try harder. It's not just to do more good and avoid more bad, but it's to walk closer and closer with you, that the outflow of a relationship with you would be looking more and more like you each day and reflecting you well to the world around us. We love you in your precious name.
Well, friends, God has asked us in his word to give of our time, our talents, and our treasures. And so one of the ways that we give of our treasures in a practical way is through uh, giving to a local church. And we do that uh, not out of uh, any other thing other than gratitude towards Jesus and because he's asked that of us. And so if you want to give at uh, this church here, you can go to myevangel.church forward slash give and it will give you all the ways that you can do that as well. 